good morning. It is good to be home. Um, and so, um, friends, it's good to be here. I'm so glad uh, that Brother Danny let me uh, join with you guys this morning. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jason Williams, and um, this is like coming back home. Um, I think of that every time Brian and I have been friends for 20 years. One time he came in, I was coming in, he said, welcome home. And that's, that was such a sentiment for our family when we come back uh, to worship with you guys here um, often. So uh, if you haven't heard, um, my wife was, is sick, so she's not here with me today. She, uh, we had a little trip to the ER last night, and so just be praying for her as she recovers from uh, allergic reaction. And so uh, just pray for her. And my, some of my kiddos are in the back. Uh, so uh, five of my seven kids are here with me this week, so this, uh, this, these days. Um, and as Danny mentioned, um, I, I get to be a privileged uh, part of your mission sending, missions uh, outreach. Uh, I serve with an organization called Chan Teaching International. Uh, is a mission sending agency that helps partner with uh, Baptist churches to send qualified missionaries all around the world. And so my role as a stateside staff member is helping walk along with those college students, young adults, and uh, young professionals who want to use their life and their talents and their gifts to leverage for the cause of Christ around the world. And so I get the, the joy of walking with churches and individuals like that um, each and every day. It's a joy that I get to serve uh, our Lord in that capacity after 20 years of being a college and student pastor. Uh, so now the Lord has me uh, serving him with a missions agency. So it's a sweet joy uh, to be here. And um, so thank you for inviting me and let me be a part of coming home again. So, but um, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John. Um, continue on in Brother Danny's series in John. We're going to be in John chapter 5 this morning. Um, and as you turn, I have a question for you. Does authority matter is the question. So does authority matter? And maybe you can sit there and think about a time in your life when you've been working or you've been in a home or you've been teaching a class when there's sheer chaos. Uh, and maybe you think there's no authority in this room or there's no chain of command on who to report to. Uh, in certain business endeavors. And oftentimes when there's chaos, um, the business may not be profitable, may, may not be going well. And so today in our passage, we're going to be talking about authority. And the, the God-given authority that, that God has built in to our creative order. That He is the authority. And when we begin living underneath His authority... We bring him the most glory. And friends, it is about the glory of God. When we live out our, each and every day, we are to do so in ways that bring him honor and bring him glory. So other questions this morning that we're hoping to answer is this. Why does authority matter? That why, it says, why does it matter that we understand authority? How does knowing more about God's authority in my life really matter? And lastly, is it really important for me to think deeply about this topic? What's it matter? 
The answer to all those questions is yes, it does matter. Yes, it does matter. And yes, it does matter. It's important to begin to understand how authority of God and Christ are meshed. The essences are together. The gospel is at stake. Christ is our ultimate authority. As a believer, Christ is our ultimate authority. The way we live our life, the way we lead in our home, and the way we carry out the gospel in our workplace. And even the way you carry out the Great Commission has vast impact around the world. The very nature and the essence of Christ and his authority is central to the gospel message. It is vital that we have a clear, concise presentation of the gospel. Because when we do this, God is honored, God is glorified, and the church is magnified. So let's pull back a little bit, like more of a 40,000-foot view of missions and the local church and what God's doing around the world with the lens of John chapter 5 on Christ's authority. In parts of the world, friends, there is or would be kind of classified blended or a confused authority of who Christ is. In parts of the world like South America or even in Sub-Saharan Africa, the church is very confused because there's multiple authorities coming in and that's causing great division and distortion of the real true version of the gospel that we proclaim from the pages of Scripture. We see in the church in these countries a blending of Catholicism, of health and wealth or prosperity gospel, prosperity heresy has snuck into the churches in these parts of the world or maybe more of an animistic or spiritual religion of fear and ancestral worship is blending in with the churches that many of us would say would be reached or where the gospel's been for many years. So there is a confused authority in many parts of the world because of the syncretism or the blending of all these religions into the local church and confusing the gospel. Other parts of the world, there may be no authority of Christ because in places like Europe, a post-Christian society where they're thinking in their mind, I am my greatest authority. The gospel was present here hundreds of years ago with the great reformers. Faithful churches being proclaimed there in Western Europe. But now there's a hardness of the heart. There's a hardness of the gospel um, to take root there. There's so many that doesn't see the need because they truly think they don't have a need. They too need to understand that Christ's authority and the hope of the gospel is for them. So not only do you have a confused authority or no authority, but in other parts of the world there is the wrong authority. Because in these parts of the world, that many would, we would talk about the unreached or unengaged or unengaged languages of the world, they're serving a false god as their authority. And if nothing changes, the path that they're on is, a, is to spend eternity separated from God the Father in hell. 
if the gospel is not introduced to their culture and to their lives. There's, there's over 7,000 unreached people groups around the world that equals 3.4 billion people who've never heard the name of Jesus or have very little access to the gospel. They're living and dying under the wrong or false authority, a false God. Friends, the Great Commission, the gospel, the good news of Christ was given to the bride, to his church. That's to us. And we're to help be the hands and feet of Jesus around the world as we carry out the Great Commission. So let us strive to be faithful as a church to do what God's called, to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. And I love actually being here on Shoebox Day because this is a means of carrying the gospel to the children of the world. In August, I was in Liberia, West Africa, helping to train some pastors in theological education. And right beside where we stayed was the Samaritan Purse headquarters for Liberia. And the families that we were, the pastors that we were serving, the churches there, you have to know that they were the recipients of some shoeboxes every year because the, the kids there in those neighborhoods were of uttermost poverty. But on a funny side note, Walking down the street of a poverty-stricken um, street that was full of potholes and all kind of stuff was a Bucky's t-shirt. In Liberia, West Africa, Bucky's still is represented on the street. So who knows if it's the right logo looking? It was blue, didn't say Bucky's, but it had the beaver on the t-shirt. So um, go figure. But so we know the shoeboxes are going with the hope of the gospel, and they're going to bring joy and excitement and hope and love. And we ultimately hope it is a method, a very a opportunity to share the good news of Jesus on why these are being sent. So praise the Lord for what God is doing in his people to carry the gospel to the world. But friends, the issues we're talking about in missions, you may think, Jason, how does this really tie to John chapter 4? It all comes back down to authority. The same issues that, that we're facing today as far as people running to false religions or no authority or confused authority is no different than what was happening thousands of years ago in the New Testament times. The Jewish leaders were struggling with authority. passage we read today, we're going to begin to understand even more clearly and even with more clarity the authority of God, the Father, has given, has given to God the Son, Jesus. Jesus is confronting and addressing false beliefs that were foundational to the Jewish faith. We see today that Jesus is teaching with great clarity and with great boldness to the, the religious leaders, the audience of John chapter 5. So let's begin reading a couple of verses. We're going to pray, then we'll dive into three topics, three statements within these passages. So read with me um, John chapter 4. I'm going to read the first uh, three or four verses, and then we'll read along as we go. So verse 19, John chapter 5. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son cannot do 
can do nothing on his own accord, but only walk, but only what he sees the Father is doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son, shows him all that he himself is doing, and the greater works than these will show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, and he has given all judgment to the Son. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning, God. We thank you for your living and active word, and how uh, your word still speaks and applies to our life thousands of years later from when it was written. Father, we ask, Lord, that this morning as we unpack your truths from your scripture, that you help us to leave here today looking more like Jesus, applying it to our own life. So as we leave, we'll go and make an impact upon the world because we have a clear understanding of Christ's authority upon our own life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So as we jump in, uh, point number one, Jesus has authority because he does what only God can do. Jesus has authority because he does only what God can do. So when you look at these, these verses, you'll see, you can go back home and read them later today, you'll see that Jesus does nothing on his own accord. It's always in perfect unity with the Father's will. The Father and the Son are moving in the same direction, the same heartbeat, the same desires, the same will we see in these passages that continually affirm one another. These verses continue to remind us that Jesus and the Father are one. Not two separate deities, but one. He is the one true and living God. So even on that, on that point, going back to the, the beginning missional thought, when you look at wrong authority or no authority, all those components... The thing you have to be clear in your gospel conversations with your coworkers, just like you, whether it's around the world or whether it's in Saltillo or Tupelo or wherever it may be, that you need to be articulating to the person you're talking to the one true God that we're talking about, the God of the Bible, God the God of our faith, the one that we live for. Because around the world, when you're talking to Hindus or Buddhists or Muslims, so often, they'll use some of the same terminology. And in other parts of the world, they'll just add the Christian God onto their many gods that they worship. That's not what we're after. We're after presenting the hope of the one true and living God that has changed our life, the one that we live for, the one that has transformed who we are and the authority, who, and the authority that we live in underneath as a believer so, He is the one true God. The Son glorifies the Father. As I said earlier, it's not like it's, there's a second God who's trying to steal the glory and the authority from the Father. No, God has given the Son authority, and in doing that, as the Son carries out His goals and His plan, it brings back glory to the Father Himself. God is being glorified in the Son, the way Christ lives. 
Jesus' authority is, is seen in verses, uh, as you look at, we saw in 19, where he does, not, does nothing of his own accord. We see even in verse 21, it says, um, where it says that he gives life to a person. Verse 22, he gives authority to judge men. If he can do these things, then he must be God. No one can raise someone from the dead except for Christ himself. We're to, be mar- we're, be, we're to be amazed and marvel at what Christ can do. His authority is from the Father, and he does the, everything in unison with the Father. Perfect unity. Point number two. Not only has Jesus does what only God can do, he also has authority because he receives the honor. And we see this in verses 23 and 24. So read along. That, that may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Friends, that's the gospel. That's the, that's the good news of Jesus right there in, in chapter 5. Christ receives, Christ has authority because he receives honor. We're looking back at Isaiah 43, verse 11. We're reminded that God himself, he says, I will not give my glory to another. And we see in these passages why, how this is different. It's because God the Father and God the Son are one. It says, my note says, God will not give his glory or honor to someone else, yet he gives it to Jesus because he's the Son of God. The Father and the Son are one. Jesus is trying, is trying to teach here these principles. He's tying his authority directly to God. And this is so offensive to the Jewish leaders. They do not want to hear it because they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Ultimately, we know he was crucified. But even still to this day, they do not see Christ as Messiah. Application in, within, within this passage where it's a reminder that Christ must be the center of everything that we are. He's the center of our worship. He's the center of our homes. He's the center of our lives. He's the center of our church. We must be clear who is the authority and, and how we're we seeking him honor, seeking to honor him during these days. Christ is the head of the church. Pastors, leaders, we're under shepherds. He is the true shepherd. We're submitting to his authority as leaders of his church. So we seek to bring honor within our church, but also within, within our daily lives. As you examine your own life, are you striving to make God known in every aspect of your life? Are you striving to give him honor in the way you speak, the way you live, the way you parent, the way if you're married, you're in a one flesh relationship with your wife. Are you striving daily to honor your spouse in ways that will bring God honor? A verse that's become 
that's become dear to our family in recent months and, and a couple of past couple of years is 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. Whether we're at home or whether we're away, we make it our aim to please Him. We make it our aim to please Christ. We make it our aim to honor Him. And so, friends, it may be my prayer this morning that as you examine your own life and the ways that not only as you seek to honor God, but you're examining down deep within your heart, is this my bent? Is this my aim to make God known, to make God more glorious? Only the true God is worthy of our worship. And, we, on the, and the only way we worship Him is through the Son, because He has authority. Another reminder is gospel clarity, as when you're sharing the faith to those around us, the, the folks that God brings in our path day in and day out. Many of us have had knocks on the doors of our home by uh, maybe a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or someone else who tries to articulate similar words that we use within our gospel conversations, but we're quick to be reminded that not every word that they use are the same. That, that, you know, it's not, I don't think that word means what you think it means, that type of uh, reminder. So one day, uh, Joseph Williams came to my house, and we were talking about um, creation. We were talking about the Trinity, and, I, and, I, and they quickly realized that uh, I was a believer, and they quickly tried to step out of the conversation because they don't believe in the Trinity. And when they talk, they will talk about Jesus as God, but they'll talk to, about Jesus as a God. They do not want to look at the triune God of the, of the Bible, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So when we are engaging in conversations with people from other walks of life, other religions, we need to make sure that we're clearly articulating, clearly describing with boldness and love and truth the God that's changed our life. Make sure it's true to the Scripture. So it's beautiful when you look at this passage, these two verses, it's truly the gospel. Especially at verse 24 when it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he's passed from death to life. Friends, in a room this size, it's, it's foolish of me to, to expect that everyone's walking with Christ, that everyone has truly submitted their heart to Jesus. But when the passage clearly makes that proclamation, you, you address it when it does. It doesn't have to come at the very end. So when you look at the passage, what does it look like to follow Christ? As you examine your own life, have you truly accepted the sacrifice Jesus made on your behalf? Have you come to faith in him before you ever begin talking about walking in obedience, following Christ, pleasing him? You have to wrestle that first question first. You have to come to a point of salvation in Christ before you can begin to think about sanctification in Christ. The Word of God will lead you to salvation first, 
than to help you look like him later on. So friends, have you walked from death to life? Another way to to think about it is this. God made you, but we rebelled against him. Instead of punishing us, he put a plan in motion to rescue us from the punishment that we deserved. His plan required his son to be, born, to be born a man, to live a perfect life, and to die a horrible death so that you and I could be forgiven and freed. Friends, this is the gospel. This is not something that we just respect or we have knowledge of in our mind. This is, needs to be transformative of our life. For many years, I would look at my own life and and say I came to faith in Christ when I was 11 years old. And that's probably what what I said when I was even walking here, when I was serving here on staff. I was in my doctoral class, and I heard a very clear understanding of the gospel. And I realized, and I look back at my life, I'm like, no, I wasn't 11. That's when God began the work in my life. I was actually 17 when my life was transformed by the gospel. I always want to acknowledge God began the work, but it took several years for the root to go down deep in my life. Because when you're transformed by the gospel, your thoughts change, your language changes, the way you seek to honor God changes, everything about your life changes. If you're married, the way you honor your spouse, the way you lead your family, the way you take care of your kids changes. Your affections change. It's not knowledge, it's not respect. It's devotion. It's a deep love for Christ. We live our life in a way that, the, that looks so different than the rest of the world. If we're living under Christ's authority that we're talking about here, then we will look different because we're submitting to the authority that God's put over us. Just know that Christ is pursuing you. And we're looking in a second about his power, but just know that Christ is pursuing after us. He wants us to come to faith in Christ. He's made a way for us. And anything short of coming to faith in Jesus to save you amounts in disrespect, dishonor. The only way to honor God is to embrace the gift of mercy and forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross. So have you submitted your life to his authority that God has given him? Not only is it about his authority is because of all he's done and can do, not only is it because of his honor, but lastly, Jesus' authority is also seen in his power. The last four verses are kind of connected in 25 and 26, and uh, 27, 28, 29 in there. So you have two components of his power. So let's read those together, verse 25 and um, through 27. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. 
For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to live life in himself. And he has given his authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. We'll continue. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So we see his power because he gives life to the spiritually dead. In 26, 27, 25, he gives life to those who are dead. How can a spiritually dead person hear? It's similar, an exa- a similar example was made about the lame man. who's able, we're, we're unable to heal ourselves. God himself has to open our blind eyes to himself. He gives life to the spiritually dead. You go from death to life. Jesus has power over the spiritually dead to hear. And friends, if we look at our own self, if you, if you examine your own life, maybe before you came to know Christ, if the, our natural bent as a sinful person is to sin and self. We'll choose it every time. It takes the Lord opening our eyes to our need for salvation and, our, and understanding who He is and what He's done on our behalf to begin to draw us, lead us, take us, have us have a response of the gospel. The ways, other ways you can explain it is God, man, Christ response. There is a response that we have to have to what God has done on our behalf. We do nothing, but we receive everything. So a spiritually dead person is similar to a blind person. God opens our eyes. He gives life to the spiritually dead. If Jesus is the one who calls us to live, it is Jesus who calls us to live. It is he who opens blind eyes. Salvation is wholly, completely the work of Christ. He transforms dead sinners to living sons and daughters. That's the good news of the gospel, friends. That's what the hope of the gospel is. We also see his authority in calling the physically dead back to life as well. And we see that in the last two verses. An hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who are believe, those who are saved, those who are believers, and those who have done evil, those who have chosen their own path, walk their own way, never profess faith in Christ to the resurrection of judgment. This is looking ahead, obviously, to the day when Christ returns and will take believers to heaven and cast unbelievers into hell. On that day, the grave will hear his voice. It will be a glorious day for those of us who profess faith in Christ because we'll be reunited with our Lord and spend eternity with him in heaven. His 
almighty authority, his almighty power be on radiant display that day. And all will know, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Jesus' power is made visible in his dominion, his glory, his power, and his coming kingdom. He is to be served by all peoples, all nations, and all languages. His dominion is forever and everlasting. A clear understanding of Jesus' authority is vital for us to carry out the Great Commission in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Wherever the Lord takes you, the gospel must go with you into that context. School teachers, the gospel goes with you into the classroom. Students, the gospel goes with you into the classroom. Businessmen, women, it goes with us. Moms, dads, it's with you in your home. Wherever you go, the gospel goes with you. Must be a clear understanding, a clear proclamation of the gospel. Jesus' authority is vital in carrying out the Great Commission in our home, down the street, at our workplace, and around the world. If the Lord allows you to go overseas for a week, for a few weeks, for even for a lifetime, take the clear gospel, a gospel that you're passionate about, a gospel that's living within you, Christ is the only hope for a lost and dying world. Saltillo needs the hope of the gospel, friends. There's people all around you who need the hope of the gospel. And for me, uh, many of you know, our journey after leaving pastoral ministry and coming on to staff of reaching and teaching, I served almost three years um, part-time for FedEx Express. And I look back at my time there God really opened my eyes to a lot of things about what ministry looks like outside the local church, in the walls of where every one of you guys live. Sharing the gospel in your workplace is risky. It can be hard. You're risking friendships, but it's also not always immediate, the gospel conversation you have. It takes time, it takes investment. It takes your willingness to hear and sit through conversations you probably really don't want to hear. But you do it for the cause of Christ because their eternity is at stake. It takes boldness to bring up the gospel sometimes in conversations. But friends, the Holy Spirit goes before you. Christ walks with you. And if conversations don't go as you think they would, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the gospel. But the thing I was reminded and my eyes were open to in sharing the gospel, just be patient. Be bold, but be patient. Love them well and earn the right to be heard. And so when we look at these things, as we kind of 
bring things, as we land the planes, we bring things back to closing. So friends, some of you may need to examine whose authority are you living under? Have you ever submitted your life to the person of Jesus Christ, to our Savior? Maybe for you, you had you have knowledge. You grew up in a home where the gospel was talked about all the time. And you know all the right words about Jesus. But your life has never been shaped and transformed. Your new direction is set. Maybe you need to examine this morning. Have you come to faith in Christ? Are you living underneath His authority? Are you willing to humble yourself and submit your hopes and your dreams to Christ and trust Him to do with you whatever He desires? Are you seeking to live for your own glory and your own fame? Are you seeking to honor Christ? All these things are the same question. Have you surrendered to Christ? Me and this room have. Because I know you. I know your story. I love you. You've walked with me for 20 years in some form or fashion. You've loved my family well. And we're in this fight together. How can God continue to shape our desires and our ability to carry out the gospel of where we are? Are there people in your life that need to understand a better understanding of the authority that Christ carries in your own life. You're going to pray for boldness to articulate that passion to them. How can God use your story to impact their life? Do they understand the true gospel? Do they understand the true hope that we have in Jesus? Will you commit to pray about being a person who will take the gospel wherever you go? We opened up with a story of some illustrations of compromised gospel or confused, uh, no authority, wrong authority. Sometimes those can be also described as misreached areas of the world, once reached areas of the world, or unreached. But friends, we don't have to go across the pond to those areas. The world's coming to America. The world's coming to Mississippi. You have the same impact here where you live of the nations coming to you. Just imagine training up, leading somebody to Christ, training them up, and then send them back out to the nations in their native language with the gospel context for the cause of Christ. May it be so that uses this church to impact this community as a light on a hill to shine brightly in the darkness as we honor him in all that we do. Remember, the Great Commission and the authority of what we're talking about here was given to the church. May God do amazing things in this body.